Big up, big respect, huge respect to Insomniac Magazine. My man Israel holding down hip-hop since the early 90s and probably even before he did the magazine. That's why we love him. My name's Sharkula, uh, a.k.a. Big Majiki, a.k.a. Cumberjack, a.k.a. Pony Surgery. Hello, my name is Israel. I've been involved in hip-hop since the 1980s as an artist, producer, radio show host, journalist, documentarian, magazine editor, hip-hop advocate, and pundit. Over the years, I've interviewed hundreds of interesting people in music, media, and more. Welcome to Sounds from the Underground, the podcast from Insomniac Magazine, where we learn from both those who reside below the surface and those who've breached it. On this episode, we hear from a Chicago music and art scene staple. Crafting over 30 albums, EPs, mixtapes, and other projects, the prolific rhyme practitioner has been creating nonstop for the better part of two decades. With a -a one-of-a-kind approach and unrelenting dedication to the culture, this veteran MC is a hip-hop original. With no further ado, let's get into the sounds from the underground discussion with the one and only Sharkula. What's up, Israel? What's up, man? How you doing, Mr. Sharkula? Uh, I'm, I'm chilling, just uh, getting my stuff together uh, to go for uh, to go out and you know grind and sell some uh, some products, some uh, art. Tell me about that. Tell me about what it is that you're selling, and also what are some of the uh, the projects that you uh, go out there and hustle. I have an album uh, that I've been pushing called uh, Barbecue Fingerprints, <laughs> and that's on that's on Bandcamp. And I've been uh, pushing <clears throat> some like a, a mix, like you know, mixtapes, you know, with with Cool Keep, aka. A- A.K.A. Black Elvis, A.K.A. Rhythm X, you know the deal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just a, a lot of other stuff. And, and uh, I've been selling canvases, uh, some large canvases, you know, some like 20 by 20 or 16 by 20, and some uh, framed arts. Hand, every T-shirt's done one by one. Everyone's original and hoodies and, you know, just... And whatever I could sell, like pins, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I also have stuff on, uh, you know, the fan camp and Spotify. But I like to I like to interact with people. I wear a mask on, steadily grinding. You've you seen it, you know, out east. You've seen it everywhere, you know. It's kind of heavy in the major cities, you know. Hand-to-hand connections. Oh, yeah. How long have you been a painter? I've been doing it for a while, but, uh, for even in high school, but I really, I was more focused on, uh, you know, I was more into dancing and stuff and like, you know, pop locking and breaking and then seeing more than, you know, just painting on walls and stuff. I had a lot of friends, they would do it all day. And, you know, sometimes I go out with them, but it wasn't something I did like full time. Like I do hip hop music. Back then, I was dancing, you know, like any other young man, you know, you're playing, you just playing pickup game at the court, basketball. Actually, I played um, baseball back in the day. I was a walk-on pitcher at a black college, Southern Louisiana, Baton Rouge, right? I said, you know what, let me let me bury myself in the library. I, I can actually study, write rhymes, you know? You are prolific. You have something like 30 albums? 
uh, probably a little bit more than 30. And so I did a lot of mixtapes on cassette. It was crazy. Every day I get off work, I would go to Walgreens back in the day and I'd buy a, uh, I'd buy like a 12 pack of, uh, TDK or Sony, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I put, compiled my favorite songs. And then it was each night. And then I like, I saved a master copy, throw it in the bucket, and people had 11. So I was pushing so many. And sometimes I would even have a tape recorder where I did just walk around the city and I just taped everything that was around. Wrong cut. You know, I would be taping, play, going places, taping without nobody knowing, like Arnold Jackson. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you would include that in the mixtapes? Oh, yeah. I record. I would take, yeah. You know, initially, I was trying to do inter- get interludes mm. for albums. I mean, I did that too, but I, I, I like the way it sounded so raw, just, just recording anything that came my way. You can hear the buses, you can hear the trains, you hear people talking shit about people. Excuse my language. <laughs> nah, you're good. I catch people, you know, sometimes I catch somebody that didn't like nobody, and then later on they liked each other, like, damn, uh, I don't know why we were arguing, we were on that mixtape. <laughs> in 1995-96 in Chicago, I got mixtape man of the year in 1995 and 1996, and, and I'll tell you why, I was so, I was so angry at things in life, and stuff where I just channeled all that energy into being productive. Like most of the, probably like most of the people that you interview, you know, they probably the same story where that was their outlet. And in, in many ways, you know, obviously I'm, I'm from New York, I'm from the Bronx. So I'm not, I'm not too familiar with Chicago word. other than obviously, you know, some of the, the artists that have come from there, but in many ways, you know, when I first learned about you, you were, considered not only a staple in Chicago hip hip hop, but in many ways a positive force. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that come about? Well, you know, I'll go to everybody's show and and I would always if I found out a DJ's at any place DJ and I would always think, Oh, this is great. I can go out and and uh and I give it up my all because whatever's going on I tell you the truth was uh, you know, some things happen uh, where you just, you consider your, you know, besides your own family, you know, R.P. to my mother, R.P. to my pops, and, you know, big uh, up to my family, you know, but it was like, it was a second, it was like a second family where, okay, you go, you go to school and then at the school, you, you, you know, you watch G.I. Joe. You know, it'll be a friend's crib or your crib. You're fortunate enough to have cable at the time. Uh, and you you get your moves together. You listen, watch G.I. <laughs> Joe, you know. And then you, by the weekend hits, you got flyers from all around the, the city and stuff or wherever, you know. And, and then you prepare. you ready because pra- I, I practice all week after school, uh, my moves, and then hit the party by the time they're playing something like, Papa Large or Zone Coaster Remix or, you know, whatever they playing, Tim Dog, you know, I was, whatever it was that I listened to during the week, by the time I heard the DJ play it, I danced word to word. And then after that, we, we hit the cypher up and freestyle together. And, and some people were like, you know, they didn't, you know, a lot of people said, damn, you know, uh, yeah, if only we can, we can dance in the dance floor, we can hit the cypher up, you know. We, you know, all the 
and people just, you know how it is, people just tagging here and there and uh, beatboxing and everything's going on at the same time. Everyone's from all these different high schools out there. And then after high school, some people went to college, some people came back, you know, back and forth. But a lot of people that stayed, you know, they knew where stuff was at. It was a it was an outlet for for working for the man. If you work for the man, you just like, damn, I don't think I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I want to I want to do something else with high hopes and big dreams, and so we give it all. And that was know? the nineties, the early nineties. Yeah, in high school, I was all city as a dancer and stuff. Then after. I was dancing for a group. They saw me in a nightclub dancing and uh, they knew about me and uh, they had me dancing. Me and my homie would dance for them and they were signed to Island and they, they were the other, they were this group. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. say their name because a lot of people get it confused mm-hmm. with another name, okay. you know, you know how people have the same name, but they yeah. know who they are though. And at the time I was working a job, I was working a job at the car wash and selling incense and, and mixtapes out of the car wash and going to a uh, junior college. So I wasn't, I didn't really even know how to ask for cash when I was in my, and when I was like young, I was, oh wow, I'm opening up with this group that's opening up for Karis mm-hmm. One or, or uh, Ziggy or, or, you know, it was crazy. Like these obscure hip hop groups that a lot of people mm-hmm. may not have heard of, but, I remember it was like night and day. I saw the video, toss it up, and next thing you know, we're opening up at Harvey at this club called Club Ultimate for Ziggy. And we, you know, we opened up for Tupac, Big Daddy Kane, uh, Grand Poole when he went solo at the, let's see, we was at Riviera, we was at Regal. We put in the best work we could considering the fact that the Midwest wasn't fully mm-hmm. on the map mm-hmm. yet. We and then that was our whole that was me and my friend's whole goal was one day get out to the Mecca. And uh when I finally got out there for the first time, thinking like I've seen all these people selling mixtapes and I was like, Wait, I do that in Chicago, but these people do it out here in a unique unique way. They like out here really doing it. And so I I mean, I just I just learned a lot just from that experience, like what I was doing here. When I went out there, I was like, oh, I felt not alone. And I just can't, I, you know, by the time I got back, I think after that one year of working my ass off, became mixtape man, 95 and 96 and, a, and like, you know, a little bit of a small press. Hip hop in many ways was a positive outlet. Do you feel that helped? maybe shift your mindset and, and ultimately your goals in life? Oh yeah. It taught me, it taught me, it taught me how to be a, a, a team player and also be more sensitive to other people's feelings. I had some ups and downs in my life. You know, already that through trials and turbulent trials and tribulations and struggle. And I can relate. I can really relate because I know what it's like, you know, to struggle and then not struggle and then feel like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. That is the beautiful thing about hip hop is that it does provide a positive and creative outlet for a lot of us, right? I knew if I wanted to make it, 
I had to make it a goal to do it for the rest of my life. It's the only thing I never quit. Everything else I quit. Like I, I mean, I played sports for fun, but I knew that's not what, not what I wanted to do. But hip hop was something that that was man. It never stops, <laughs> you know. You, you know, it, it never stops. Like you mm-hmm. never stops. I remember seeing Insomniac and Tower Records, mm-hmm. and I and I read it. It inspired me. I'm not gonna tell you the other local publication, the other publication that inspired me. I say the one about yours was a great magazine, and thank you. And I always wondered. Oh, so yeah, no doubt. You're welcome. Thank you for inspiring everyone and alerting us all around the world what's going on. I saw one issue you had probably your first one and I said damn I said damn this is this is great because now I can check out all these underground artists you know what I'm saying and I'm thinking what does it take to to get in this like so 25 years later 20 years here I am talking to you wow the one that so I mean it's it's, it's a great feeling I made sure I got, <laughs> I sound like a geek, but like a third, but I, I got some sleep. I felt really good. I felt magical. The sun shining. I get a call from you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and it's, uh, I told myself, like, I'm going to do the best I can with an interview. Cause it's not like y'all ain't used to hearing the way I talk or whatever, or, you know, explains I have nothing to be. I'm not to be nervous of. Not a, not at all, man. And you you are a, an inspiration. I mean, somebody that has been in the mix for so many years and really got in on the ground floor, you know, and not to mention an immense body of work. You know, there are not a lot of artists that have been around Thanks. really. I mean, in hip hop as long as you have, and and then have that, you know, oh, thirty yeah. plus albums deep. Not to mention all the other side projects, mixtapes, EPs. Yeah. You know, and everything else. So that's, you know, you are to be commended uh, as not only a a hip hop veteran, but someone that, uh, you know, is is a positive force. I think that's so important. I just think that we need more positivity in hip hop. And I have to tell you, man, that, you know, what what drew my attention to you besides your music is just always seeing the 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 positive nature of your tweets, the gratitude that you exude uh, online, I think is something not only to be commended, but I think it's also something that we need to see more of in hip hop. I, I appreciate it because everything you say is why I get up every day because people like you appreciate it, you know, and, and actually, actually it's, it's, it's it's a blessing to get noticed by someone that loves hip hop. It's just as much as me or anybody else, and to give you and to give me that compliment and say that I'm uh, a positive and notice, and then you see that I'm grateful and I appreciate people for their support. I'm honored. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. Tell me a little bit about how you first were inspired by hip-hop. What were some of the first groups or songs that really touched you? Oh, well, me and my mother used to recite, don't push me, I'm close to the edge, I'm trying not to lose my head. Melly Mel. Uh, Furious Five. Melly Mel. Yes. Yeah. And Curtis Blow. Uh, Of course, Roxanne Shante. Uh... 
Houdini. Me and my brother got a um, a Magnavox boombox. And I, uh, you know, like I said, I got some gray leather pants, leather pants, <laughs> and a fat boy's jailhouse rock. Jailhouse, the, the, you know what I'm saying, with the pizza on the cover or something? No question. And the piano was amazing, right? I mean, that was right. such a, I don't know, that was such a contagious hook. Man, definitely. And, and, and later on, when I heard in 1988, freshman year of high school, uh, I didn't fit in, but guess what? I, I found out about Critical Beatdown, the tape. It was freshman year, and after that, I was hooked. I was listening to, to that, to to Austin AMC's, uh, what is it, Maestro Fresh West. I was listening to all that, and then even more, listening to watching BET, listening to college radio, being lucky enough to get some Red Alert tapes, uh, hearing it. With a with an antenna around my damn room. <laughs> you mentioned earlier uh, Tower Records. Yeah. I know in New York we obviously had Tower Records. One of my favorite spots was the one in 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 uh, um, Fourth and Broadway. Uh, so I don't know if it was if it was similar. I would imagine they were. I mean, that just it seemed like a magical place yeah. for anybody that was a fan of music. Oh, yeah, they had everything in there. They had all these magazines that. If you were that cat that's listening to college radio and you would watch videos and you pay attention to the DJs, the B-sides, one that had the tapes on it, you know, the tape covering up, you were in heaven because now you're reading about the artists that that took you through your life. True, very true. And people like you, being from the birthplace, and, you know, keep in mind, I never gangbanged in my life, so... When uh, when cats created say this is the, this is what we're gonna do to stop the violence, that's when my eyeballs got big. I was like, I want to do every aspect of it, you know. Yeah, that was pure pure inspiration. Yeah, it's the whole thing. It's all I think about. Like all I think about is 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 doing getting in the studio and and uh, draw painting the you know and. Keep in mind, I don't do anything illegal, you know, when I paint. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? And I'm, I know most people that do it, they don't want to mm-hmm. say they do it like that. <laughs> but, but I always enjoy the, when it's even like to talk about the other magazine, Source Magazine, they used to have in the back of it, they used to have graphs. Right. And then as far as when the culture kind of mm-hmm. went different, I guess somebody didn't want that to be mm-hmm. in there, huh? And there was a lot of that, right? That's there was crazy. a lot of that. It, the stripping yeah, was... of the essence of hip-hop, culture of hip-hop, has been stripped from the music, at least the original tenets mm-hmm. of hip-hop. What do you think about that? I think it's horrible because cause it's horrible because I'm not saying on names, but some of my favorite MCs, they suffer from it. Yeah, it should be a cat that has two hundred million dollars in the bank, and somebody has twenty thousand or ten thousand, or not even that. That sounds better. That that paid away for them. They don't even know it because they're ignorant, and they ignorant, and it's just it's disgusting. And that that's stuff like that would make me angry. Look, I saw some of that at an early age where. You know, they have the world thinking that this is what it is, and really it's not. But thanks, thanks to publications like yours, it educated, gave us hope. The ones that, 
you know, inspire I, I, that inspire people like myself that are bigger and inspired other people, you know, to do the same thing, you know. Indeed. You you know what I mean? Just keep it original. Indeed. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned the uh, dancing, the break dancing, obviously, obviously oh, graffiti yeah. and also more noticeably in music, specifically the lyricism, you know, the the words have kind of diminished over the years and, and a lot of what people think hip hop is. Yeah. Right. And it, it's bad. And, it, and I saw a tweet that uh, that Cool Keith has said that a lot of you people wearing Michael Jordan shoes think they just came out yesterday and they're coming out for $375 now, but they, they came out for $75 then, which is a lot, and they acting like it's mm. something special. And people are getting murdered for uh, Michael Jordan's mm. shoes, uh, sneakers on the south side and places in the world. And now everybody's just wearing them like they just flip flops. You know, for an outsider that has been communicated a lot, the the violence in Chicago. What's the vibe like now? Oh man, it's still you know, it's still violent. You got twelve year olds to fifteen out there carjacking and mugging. You got people doing credit card breaking. Mm-hmm more and more like heavier than ever with the internet you got you got all type of wild people kidnapping you know i'm grateful to be alive i'm alert it doesn't matter what area they're in nice bad areas these these kids are creeping you know yeah there definitely has to be more resources out there that's what yeah i was thinking the same thing and and so when they talk about the news the people on the news talking about it they know why because there's a lack of resources mm-hmm. so that's why i like i like to uh yeah i like to be out there like working and a lot of people a lot of the young people get inspired so a lot of the actually a lot of the kids they i, I know their fathers and stuff a lot of the kids they've been seeing me for years so they don't they don't they don't mess with it. they only mess with the week you notice they only go for the week you know, people ain't alert, but, you know, but then again, you never really know. I mean, clearly, you know, something we see in a lot of inner cities, you know, there aren't the resources and the youth grow up without you know, parenting, a single family home or maybe yeah. no parents at all at home. You know, so this is obviously something we've seen time and time again for decades, right? Right. Over and over, over and over. And I know that. You know, some things I had to, I put in a, I look at the positive of the morals that, and the rules that my folks had, had laid out, made sure I, I didn't want to like, I, I try not to glorify the pain and stuff. You know, every time they see me, I'm that guy, you know, why would they be out more than ever to be outside? Apparently it was a therapy you know, that void to fill up from going cra- crazy, you know. True. Again, the the beauty uh, of hip-hop, you know, such a positive uh, outlet for creativity. Yeah. Even if it's gangster rap, I mean, it's still a, it's, it's, it's an outlet, you know, from oh, yeah. what is happening on the streets. Yeah. It, 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 I love, you know what, I love uh, 
a gangster gangster rap, gangster MCs. I like abstract. I like it all. Indeed. You know, but you know, but I, one thing like I'm like you. I just don't like that 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 same D over and over and over again. Balance. It has to be about balance, it right? Is. Like I mean, you know, in the beginning you mentioned right. Houdini. And you mentioned ultramagnetic yeah. MCs, you know, uh, from both from oh, the 80s, yeah. but you were never, ever going to confuse, right. uh, you know, Cool Keith with maybe something that Jalil, you know, or the late ecstasy, yeah. you know, was was spitting. Right. It was right. it was such a distinctive. There was just a lot of variety. So I think it is about balance. Right. At the same time, we had Schooly D, who was the original gangster rapper. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, right. He, he's awesome right there. He had all that, you know, a lot of flavor. You can actually play it in your car, play it in your Walkman, play it at a party. You mentioned ego tripping, obviously, ultramagnetic MCs. Yeah. Tell me about how you first came around uh, Cool Keith and, and first started recording with him. I know you have several songs with him. Oh, yeah, you know, um, definitely, um... Yeah, it's an honor to work with him and, you know, fantastic person. Uh, well, I met him, let's see, I went to all his shows. And I remember one time we had public, this public access cable in Chicago. And I saw him at a show on the, on Michigan Ave. And I think he performed at the Cot Club. He had a white suit on and some mm. gators. And, uh, and this was in the nineties. I don't know if it, I think it was a mid and then um early mid or something. And then one of my friends' mother worked at public access cable and this one cat called me up and said, I'm trying to get a place for him to get interviewed up there. I said, Okay, well, let me give you uh this lady's number and I hooked him up with an interview. But uh, I didn't make it to the interview, but ever since then I was ever since then I kept going to the shows and stuff. And it one time I I remember 2012 led up to 2012 like actually before I got over them I was going to all the shows 2012 somebody asked me to open up for him I said I open up long as I go on right before him so, so when I went on I went on right before him and I knew about I uh, I just knew that a lot of people knew that me and him would click and uh, after the show everybody was like let me hang out with you uh uh you know. Uh, Sharkula, uh, cause I know you gonna be hanging out. So I was like, right, right away, I, I grabbed my homie, I grabbed my friends, I was like, don't let nobody come back here. And we're going back to the after, this is the after set, the green room. Uh, so we hung out and, you know, and clicked. And, you know, and then, you know, we, I got, he said, do you have an email? I'll send you beats. At the time, I was just anti-email, anti, believe it or not, like mm. social media. So after that, after that, I, we started talking, and I, we talked for, we talked for a while. All of a sudden, I think I got an email and I got my Twitter on. Well, we ended up doing close encounters. We, we did that, and boom, people were loving it. I think that came out 2014, and then, and bam, we kept working, and then Barnyard came out. Came out. Then next thing you know, he pushed me on a. I go and start traveling with him, touring mm. different cities that I never. Well, I've been to those cities, but I never performed with him mm -hmm. at the city. And 
and it was fun going. It was fun, you know, hanging out, meeting so many different mm-hmm. people. I met Prince Whipper Whip in Detroit. In Detroit, I met him. Classic MC. Yeah, he's a he was so supportive. Like you said, it's positive. He um he was on a stage with me and Keith. Uh, I was inside doing you know you know doing the um hyping mm-hmm. the crowd up. We're up in no, we're in Lansing. No, we're in Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, that's all. All I wanted was a dog. But I really like I like the verse that Keith said, "Playing with my Hot Wheels out in Toys R Us." <laughs> It's it's a good video. The dogs are emceeing or rapping, and, and you know the video, the visuals are fresh. No doubt, you know sharing the key. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm honored. I'm honored to. I always knew what I see. Well, every time I threw up my our friendship, it's been like I've always been a fan. I haven't been all mm-hmm. thirsty, and I think because I wasn't so mm-hmm. thirsty. Because I always would be, hey, you know, this is it. You know, when he's in town, I just like, I'm a fan. You know, one time he, he threw, like, magazines in the crowd. You would swear I was Dave Winfield because I caught that black tail. <laughs> you have so much music. What, what's your process for recording? Are you are you working with a, with a particular studio? Do you have an in-house studio? I move around a lot. I never like to go to the same studio. Sometimes I might go to a rock and roll studio just to throw, because a lot of times I go to a hip hop studio. All the locals they they want to they want to say, hey, mm. let's do a track in the middle of the session. Mm. I'm playing. I'm, I mean, I'm paying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but you know, and plus the producer already sometimes he's he's doing some recording from some for some other projects, and then he is like his turn. He's like, hey, you know, I know you for a while. Uh, do that, and I told him I was like, "Hey, you know, just lock that door while mm-hmm. we're in there." So I move around a lot. In my process of doing it, mm-hmm. uh, I write, I write a lot on scraps, mm-hmm. and then I'll combine it to a to a notebook, and then I have it ready, and uh, and go in there and do the best I can and lay it out aloft. And uh, yeah, I try my best to sound original because I don't want to sound like like anybody else so then not only is it embarrassing to myself but it's embarrassing to everybody that believes in me no doubt no doubt definitely there you go the original one of the original tenets of hip-hop originality right not trying to copy somebody else not biting the style right right yeah and and that's what and that's when I read the articles that you've had or even all the hard work you put into letting us know through interviews that it's not going to be easy, but it makes it kind of more qualified if everyone sounded original and not biting because they got to live with that for the rest of their life. That's right. And there's, there's something to be said. I mean, if you think about all of the legends, the legends are legends because nobody nobody's like them. You're not going to get them confused with anybody else. So... So tell me, tell me about some of the projects you have coming up. What should people be looking out for from Sharkula? I got a new. I'm not gonna say it. I got a new album coming out April 9th, and it's um, I, I it's untitled. It hasn't been titled yet. I'm gonna keep it a secret. But I do have, you know, the other ones I have on Sharkula.com.info. The um, I got the uh, Sharkula Salad to Tasty, and then I got the 
the Martin Luther King Jr. Robert Cheese, that's how diagnosed Chocula, how uh let's see, Black Emanula and oh another the projects that I, that's a project. They got in the you know, that's the album coming in and all these songs with Keith, I'm looking forward to somehow getting them on forty five, but uh you know, forty five singles and maybe twelve inch one day, but in the meantime I'm putting them on CDs and they on YouTube and stuff. So that's a good and SoundCloud, you know, that's a you know, that's a good thing, you know. And that's the some of my favorite songs I've ever done in my life are those songs with, with Keith because, you know, I grew up being a still a fan and, you know, if you're a creative person, you look up to people, you know, people like that are saving your life. You know, especially a video with a guy in a cage upside down. <laughs> Pop along. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, shout out the East Coast. That was a song. You play that, everybody. Well, I got a new song coming soon with Keith. You know, I'm, and I'm patient for that. And we're going to do some, I'm going to get out to, uh, get out to New York and do some videos when the pandemic stops and I hope and definitely tour with him because that's, that's the, I had so much fun being around people that that are always prolific and has a catalog, you know, like Lionel Richie or Barry Manilow or, you know what I mean? That's it. No question. He he definitely does. He definitely does have that nonstop, nonstop yeah. creativity since the golden era. Yeah, it took us through. You had him on the in your yep. first magazine issue that's on true. the cover. And that's that's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh, it, it was actually my response to him not getting on the cover of the source. Uh, there was an issue where they didn't put him on the cover. I thought as a fan of hip hop that he was going to be on the cover with Ultra. And instead, I think I saw TLC. No offense to TLC, but I didn't think they were hip hop. And I said, you know what? When I start this thing, I want to make sure that I get some real hip hop on the cover, and the first one was indeed Cool Keith. Yeah, you know, you know what? That's a that's a good thing, and because we are a poet, to me, you know who the best is, you know. And I know that a lot of people say there's no number one, but you as an hip hop like we do, you know, we know he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Forever. No question. I mean, authenticity, authenticity, yes. man. And and speaking of authenticity, you know, you have uh, immense, uh, you are authentic to the fullest. You are you. An, a hip hop original. Thank you. And I want to once again, man, commend you for all your hard work, for staying in the game, for being a positive force. And if you don't mind, share how folks could learn more about Sharkula, oh. your new releases, how to get with you online, and everything else. Oh yeah, you can um you can hit me up, of course, on Twitter, uh, caviar brian one eighty two at gmail dot com. Oh, that's my Gmail, but caviar brian one eighty two on Twitter and Sharkula dot info a website and Sharkula dot com another website. I got music on Wicked. Well, Wikipedia has a, a lot of my releases, but not all of them. SoundCloud, I got music, YouTube music, or you could just direct message me on Twitter or email me. 
And all the information is on the Sharkula.com, Info and Thank you once again, Sharkula, man, for everything. I want to wish you continued success. We'll make sure to get all the info out on how to learn more about what you got going on. And I will I will see you online and looking forward to your latest music. And I'm grateful for the interview to get interviewed by Israel. My pleasure, you know? man. 